Thank you, God, for, for being here. Thank you, Jesus, that you are here. Lord, that we would, um, us ordinary people, that we would host the high King of heaven. Lord, uh, Holy Spirit, would you uh, reveal to us more of who you are, more of who God is this morning. We open ourselves to your revelation, Spirit of God. Open our eyes, soften our hearts, Lord. Have your way here today. We bless you. Amen. Really, it's um, amazing that we can we can gather together. I hope there's not more than 100 of us. <laughs> Otherwise, there'll be a knock, knock, knock on the door. But you know, like a lot of churches, they can't can't gather this morning. Yeah, well, they're having to be creative. I know that Hope Center and the Hut—they've got a big auditorium. They're dividing it into two, and so they've gone and got a hundred on one one side and a hundred on the other. And if you're not one of the hundred, then uh, you're watching from home. But it feels like we have a bit of responsibility. Eh? We're sort of like carrying it for the team at the moment. So that, that's us, and we're going to carry it well. We're going to. Um, we're going to do it well. The and I and I just I wrote about it in the CV News um, during the week, but and I was comparing God's presence to a virus, which sounded a little bit you know dodgy going there, but uh, but I think it's all right um, because and I said it because often the often the natural speaks of the supernatural, and uh, and I was I was re- reflecting on that this morning as we we're worshiping, and um, there's a, a wee passage that I just feel drawn to, and I want to I want to start with that. It's actually not part of my um of my notes, but I don't want to start with that. So we often look back to the book of Acts and we go, the book of Acts is where it's at. We want to be in the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit moving in power, doing amazing things, changing people's lives. Um, and, then, uh, and then you read of some of the things that went on and we don't want to have some of that, but, but this, one we, this one we do. So it says, uh, this is Acts chapter 5, uh, reading from verse 12, it says, Now many signs of wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles, and they were all together in Solomon's portico. None of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats, that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall upon some of them. Right? The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. So they would, they would lay out on the street just so that Peter's shadow could walk, walk uh, could could fall upon them, and they were healed. If you happened to be in Wellington last weekend at, um, you know, Te Papa or uh, Four Kings Toilets, I was joking about that before, Jack Hackett's Bar, all these great places in Wellington, if you happen to be in those places, you might be a bit worried that the shadow of someone else fell on you, and then you've got to go get um, COVID testing. And, the, and that's sort of, that's in the natural, right? You go past somebody who's... Um, you know, maybe has a virus, and then you're worried you're going to catch the virus. But in in God, in the kingdom of God, uh, sick people uh, sick people are healed. You see what I mean? So um, Peter walks into a place, and people are healed. COVID man walks into a place, people get sick. Uh, you know, it's, it's this massive contrast, and this is sort of what we this is what we're tapping into. And this is uh, I feel like 
uh, at the moment, um, the Lord has uh, like taken us on this journey through uh, the book of Exodus so that, uh, so that we can be like the Israelites, people of God becoming a people of God's presence, so that we can not only enjoy God's presence in our, in our gatherings when we come together, but, but we can take God's presence with us out when we go to work, uh, when, we go, when we go home, when we go to um, overseas countries. Uh, when we go to university, we take the presence of God into those places and people find life and people find healing and people uh, find God ultimately. You know, this is it. This is it. So uh, this, there's sort of like a background verse in my mind as, we're going, as we journey through Exodus and it comes from Exodus 29. I'm sorry, I don't have a PowerPoint up this morning, so, um, but I know that you've all got your Bibles. So if you open your Bible to Exodus 29, verse 45, I say that um, knowing that you might not. So turn, you can open up your app then. Uh, Exodus twenty nine forty five. it says, I will dwell among the people of Israel and, and will be their God. And they shall know that I am the Lord their God who brought them out of the land of Egypt that I might, that I might dwell among them. I am the Lord their God. He, say, he says it twice. I will dwell among the people. I brought them out of slavery so that I might dwell among them. God, God uh, saves us from death to life so that he might dwell in us or as a community that his presence might dwell in, 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 our, in our gathering. And today I'm going to zero in on a topic that we uh, haven't, given a, haven't given a whole lot of attention to. And I wonder if we've uh, avoided it. Uh, because we might have negative associations with it. And what I, uh, and when I, uh, you know, I reckon it's actually a very positive and a very powerful uh, theme. And I wonder if uh, in avoiding it, we're actually missing out on this important aspect of knowing more of the presence of God in our lives and to have him dwelling in our midst in the church and in the city. And the area that I feel that the Lord has like just laid heavily on my heart this week is the fear of God. This area I feel like God is leading into us is the fear of God. You can see why we might have negative associations with that, right? Because there's all kinds of diff- there's different kinds of fears. Uh, there's some fears we enjoy, you know, like bungee jumping. Uh, I've I've gone bungee jumping once, and it's a bit frightening standing on the edge of a edge of a, a bridge. This was down in Hanma, which is probably like actually the uh, one of the shortest um, bungee jumps in, in New Zealand, probably the world. It's still scary as I'm standing on the br- edge of the bridge uh, with that rubber band around my ankles, feeling, feeling frightened to jump off. It's fun. It's exhilarating. Um, roller coasters. Some people like roller coasters. Some people, and I really don't understand this, but um, they enjoy watching horror movies. They shouldn't, but they do. <laughs> Um, people like to give other people a fright, you know. Um, boo, yeah, boo. Yeah, like sometimes, it's, sometimes we enjoy being being frightened, or, or we enjoy sort of the element of fear. There's there's helpful fear, like the fear that um, that stops you from jumping off a bridge if you don't have a rubber band around your, around your around your uh, ankles, or the fear that um, hopefully stops us by putting our hands in a fire. Um, not always. Once when I was. Um, Come on, okay. Uh, we we had this great flat. I was in in Christchurch, and we had a had a wood burner, and we'd get that wood burner cranking like really, really hot. And then, um, and as flatmates do, sometimes you start talking um, and come out with uh, bad ideas. And so we were talking on the couch, and we're like going to each other. Oh, one, you know, we'd, 
I dare you, you know, what would it take for you to put your tongue on the wood burner? <laughs> and I might have been doing a PhD, but I wouldn't say that I was smart at that time, and I thought, oh yeah, I'll give it a nudge. And, um, and so my approach was quite scientific, I got a whole, lot of, a whole lot of spit in my mouth, and I just got as close to the wood burner as I could, and then in the back of my mind is thinking, what if I get so close, and then my tongue actually sticks to it, um, but I just went quickly, and Got the thing on it, <laughs> and then, and I got the respect of my flatmates, and and it, and it was all worth it. Hundred percent, I'll do that again. <laughs> Very scientific. So, but anyway, generally, generally, our fear uh, stops us from doing that kinds of things. Our fear, uh, generally, it stops us from touching power lines, electric fences. Generally, our fear is meant to stop us from playing on train tracks. And again, like I say, this generally because sometimes when you're a teenager, or in my case, like a, um, a 20-year-old, it's not always that effective. I think my, was it your frontal lobe? Yeah, I think that was still developing. <laughs> I, was a, I was late developer. But then there's, the, then there's another kind of fear. And it's not enjoyable. It's actually horrible. It's a kind of fear that we might call uh, anxiety or dread. It's the kind of fear that it's the, sometimes you think about it in terms of opposite, it's the opposite to peace. It's, um, it's, what, it's what keeps you awake at night. It's like the first on your mind all the time. It makes your heart race. It, it takes all your attention and it, and it robs you of joy and it robs you of motivation. Some of you might be feeling that even now. And then uh, in the scriptures, over and over again, the Bible says, do not be anxious, do not be afraid, do not be anxious, do not be afraid. But then there's this, there's this it, sometimes it seems like a paradox, it says, but fear God. Do not be afraid, but fear God. And so the Bible teaches that there's appropriate fear and there's inappropriate fear. A- appropriate fear is the fear that actually we want to we nurture and we want to hold on to, we want to feed, we want to allow to grow in us. And then there's inappropriate fear, which is the fear that we want to starve out of our lives. We want to lock it out, we want to eradicate it, we actually want to fill our lives with, with things so that there's actually no room for that inappropriate fear. And we want to bring those things to the Lord. So today we're going to be focusing on the appropriate fear. Last week uh, I was talking about Moses as he encountered the Lord at the burning bush at Mount Sinai. So again, so uh, if you have your Bibles, this is Exodus chapter three. I'm just going to pick it up at chapter four. So if you know, if you know the story, Moses is in the wilderness. He's now 80 years old, uh, past his prime. Um, He's, uh, he's gone from being a, uh, a prince of Egypt, being educated in, in the Pharaoh, in the king's house. And then uh, he ends up on the, on the run from Pharaoh because he, he murdered an Egyptian. And now he's 40 years in the desert. He's not, he doesn't even have his own sheep that he's shepherding. He's still shepherding his father-in-law's sheep. So he's in this wilderness place at the foot of uh, um, at Mount Sinai. He calls it Mount Horeb, but it's the same place. Mount Sinai, and then the Lord speaks to speaks to Moses uh, from this burning bush. So picking it up at uh, chapter four, I mean verse four, Exodus three, verse four says, "When the Lord, when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses, and he said, Here I am.'" Then he said, God said, "Do not come near. Take the sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground." We talked about that last week. 
And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Moses, now we see this, he's afraid. He's, he's, he's encountering God in the burning bush, and he's afraid, so he hides his face. And then Moses does something that's quite amazing. He, he stays, he doesn't run, he doesn't run away, he stays, and he listens, and he speaks with God. And he tells, uh, God tells him all this, um, all this amazing stuff. God reveals his divine name, uh, God reveals his plan to uh, Moses, and he tells Moses, you, I'm going to send you to uh, Israel. I'm going to send you to Pharaoh. And you're going to uh, lead my people out from slavery. And you're going to bring them back here. And they're going to worship me here. And then Moses, in this place, he goes, uh, he kind of brings to the Lord. And they're having this dialogue. And he brings to the Lord all, all his fears of, of people. Uh, he's actually more afraid of the Israelites you kind of get the sense he's more afraid of the Israelites than he is of Pharaoh. Last week I made a mistake. I said that uh, Pharaoh um, you know, wanted to kill him, but actually that Pharaoh was dead. This is a new Pharaoh. Probably still wants to kill Moses, but doesn't say that. Um, Moses, but Moses is, is, is afraid of Israel. He's like, well, they're not going to believe me. I can't, can't speak right. I can't speak good English. And then, and then but in this place... <laughs> You never know. <laughs> no, it's, clearly it's English, English Standard Version. <laughs> but God deals with his fears because Moses is in that place of being being afraid of <laughs> afraid of the Lord, appropriate fear of the Lord, and God deals with his fears of of other people. And then so Moses bravely goes and uh, and goes back to the Israelites and goes to Pharaoh. So then we jump ahead. So that's Moses' encounter with God at the burning bush. And then we jump ahead to uh, chapter uh, 20. Uh, verse 18. And so now um, we're jumping ahead a lot in the story. God's done a lot of stuff. He's uh, judged the gods of Egypt and the plagues. He's, he's led the people of Israel out from Egypt. They've crossed through a sea on dry land. God's part of the seas. And now... Uh, uh, they've, uh, they're now at Mount Sinai, so at the same location that, Mo- that Moses had encountered the Lord. And in this place, God is making a, a covenant, making a special agreement with the people. I'm going to be your God. You're going to be my people. These are the things you're going to do. These are the things I'm going to do. And, he, and he's present. This is like the, the presence of God on the mountain. And it says, so this is a... Chapter 20, verse 18. Now when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled, and they stood far off. And they said to, and they said to Moses, You speak to us and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us lest we die. And Moses said to the people, Do not fear, for God has come to test you that the fear of him may be before you that you may not sin. The people stood far off while Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. Like you read the story and yeah, that is frightening stuff. Like the, the mountain, on the mountain, the thunder and the flashes of lightning, the sounds like the sounds of trumpets, uh, the smoking mountain, they're encountering God and they're afraid. Yes, that's appropriate. 
And they trembled. Again, that's appropriate. But then they kind of make this mistake and they kind of go, uh, do not let God speak to us. Whereas, whereas remember, what happened with Moses is uh, he, he, he dialogued with God. He, he kind of, even though he's afraid, he still, he still let God speak to him. But then Moses, like God is gracious, and Moses goes, um, do not be afraid, but fear God. You know, do not fear, for God has come to test you, that the fear of him may be before you, that you may not sin. Israel feared God, but they didn't draw near. They didn't listen. It's like they were terrified of God, but actually when you read through the story, they didn't fear him enough. And again, I could be jumping, jumping ahead in the story now to... Um, Verse uh, chapter 32. So what happened is uh, Moses and the, the leaders of Israel are invited up to up the mountain. And then Moses is, is in the presence of God for 40 days and 40 nights. Actually in the presence of God in that real freaky place, but he's there. And... Uh, but the people that, are, that have seen all this, they've seen the work that God has done. They've seen the God's judgment on the gods of Egypt. They've seen all these amazing things that God has done. And they um, decide that actually they need to have a, have a visual representation of God, which is like breaking quite a few of the commandments. And they, and they sin. They didn't fear God enough. They say... It goes, picking up, I'll just read it, Uh, chapter 32. When the people saw that Moses was delayed to come down from the mountain, he's only been there 40 days, guys. It's not that long. The people gathered themselves together to Aaron and says, Up, up, Aaron, make us gods who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who's brought us out of the land of Egypt, we don't know what was become of him. He's up there on the mountain. Don't Don't know what's come of him. And so they make these gods. So it says that they, you know, initially when they encountered God, they were afraid of God. But then they don't listen to his words. You know, they don't really, they don't fear him enough. Fear of God means paying attention to what he says. The Israelites were terrified and they didn't pay attention. The Bible uses this word, or uses the word fear at least 300 times in reference to God, which is quite a few times. It's an important topic in the Bible. Proverbs 9 uh, Proverbs 9, I'll just read, Proverbs 9, uh, six, uh, 7 to 12, it says, Whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse, and he who, repro- he who reproves a wicked man incurs injury. So do not reprove a scoffer, or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man, and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man, he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man, and he will increase in learning. But here's the kicker. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. For by me, your days will be multiplied, and years will be added to your life. If you are wise, you are wise for yourself. If you scoff, you alone will bear it. So it teaches that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One is insight. And when the Bible talks about wisdom, it's not talking about getting the right answer in an exam. It's talking about like wisdom for life, knowing the right thing to do in the situation. This is talking about like, um, like living a blessed life, the fullness of life. Fear of the Lord is the beginning. It's at the start. And I wonder if, um, if the generations before us actually had a, had a better understanding of this than we do today. Christians were sometimes called God-fearers. We don't use that at all. 
Someone who fears God would be a believer. Now we might say, do you believe God? Do you follow Jesus? But we, we don't often say, do you fear God? Because it seems, seems negative. But this is what the Bible teaches. It's appropriate. And I was thinking about that, there's, uh, that song, uh, How Great Thou Art. O Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the works thy hand hath made, I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the universe displayed. Like the, when, when the writer saw uh, what was going on, thunder and lightning, you know, in the natural, this made him think about the power of God. And he uses the word awesome, and we use the word awesome like, oh, that's cool. I'm having an awesome day. I had a great day. I had an awesome sleep last night. Eli only woke up a couple of times. It was an awesome night. But when... But sort of the old school use of the word awesome is really different. And, and we actually used, we used one of these words this morning in one of our songs. It comes from the word awe, which is like that feeling of, uh, of uh, this is a joke from dictionary.com, reverential respect mixed with fear and wonder. Like we sang it like stand in awe and worship. Reverential respect mixed with fear and wonder. And the word awesome actually brings these two things together. Awesome, meaning to uh, be ex- meaning extremely impressive or daunting, something or someone, inspiring, awe. This is like, man, when we, say, we come to sing these songs, stand in awe and worship, are we standing in awe? We might be standing, but are we standing in awe and worshiping? Why is it important to fear God? Um, a lot of reasons. This week I was um, looking at stuff, and there was an article by by Polly Gillespie, who's um, I'm not sure if she still is, but she was at least an uh, announcer on on ZM. And she wrote this article um, with the title, "In a time ruled by fear, here are some of mine." That's a catchy title. <laughs> Awesome, I want to read about Capaldi Gillespie's fears. And a time ruled by fear, here is some of mine. And she wrote, she wrote how one day, she was stuck in traffic, I think, in Christchurch, and she began to dis- disassemble the fear structure. I looked at the layers and concluded that many of us here in New Zealand and possibly the world are ruled by fear. And then she kind of goes through in this article and she listed her fears. And, and I was reading them and I started feeling afraid myself. I was like, oh yeah, that's right, there's something else to be afraid of. Yeah, she wrote about like, like cancel culture and like the fear of saying the wrong thing on the wrong platform in the wrong place at the wrong time and all, all these different things. And I was like, oh my goodness. And you can probably guess what some of the, other, some of the others are. And we've had that, this, we've had that happening this week, like, um, you know, with the, with the COVID infection. It's like, oh man, something else to be afraid of. But why is it important to fear God? And so these fears... These fears that we have, they can often reveal to us what, what's going on inside. They can reveal to us what we value too highly. They can reveal to us where we find security and safety. They can reveal to us where we put our confidence. Like some, some examples that come to mind as I was writing this is like we, we fear the opinion of others. What do other people think of me? Are they going to think I'm a silly guy? <laughs> Are they, think I'm, are they going to think I'm foolish or, you know, are they, or worse? Are they think, going to think I'm a hater? Or our fears might reveal to us the security uh, and the confidence that we place in uh, having a house to live in. Uh, or, or our money, what's the bank account like at the moment? Uh, what we have, our possessions. Uh, having a job or not having a job. 
uh, fears. Uh, um, health is a big one, man, a massive one. A whole industry is uh, is is growing, growing up around the health industry, health of health of ourselves, the health of people we care for. Uh, identity is another one. Who am I? Who am I in this world? And then there's the classic fear of missing out. These these are inappropriate fears. And we do we do not want to let them get out of hand in our lives. As sometimes they do, and and it's really, really difficult to deal with them. It's easier to it's easier to say just deal with your fears than, than actually dealing with them. But what, one of the things we need to do is we need to starve these inappropriate fears rather than nurture them. We need to lock them out and rather than invite them in. And having an appropriate fear is a powerful antidote. The fear of God is the fear that we want to nurture. The fear of God is the fear that we want to invite in and to allow it to grow in us. And it sounds, it totally sounds counterintuitive. It sounds, it sounds wrong. And that's a mistake, James. But fear in God is the way to peace. How can that be? Despite what society might, te- might tell us, or even our own thought light might tell us, at opening ourselves up to, up to actually fear God, inviting and embracing and celebrating the fear of God, is the way of wisdom, as I said before. Fear in God is the beginning of wisdom. And therefore, it's the way of life in Him. It's fear of God is recognition of, of His absolute power, that God is God over all things. It's confidence that when God speaks, nations tremble. It's confidence that uh, God is moving. We sing about a lot, waymaker, miracle worker, light in the darkness. It's hope. Fear of God is, is hope that he will judge everyone with perfect justice. And it's, it's a hope that only through Jesus do we have any hope or any chance that we'll actually escape death and we'll be rewarded, re- rewarded with eternal life in him. I'm going to back this up. I'm going to back this up with what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10, 26. Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So have no fear of them, for nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops, and do not fear those who kill the body but cannot cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny, and not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Mine are running out. It's all right. They're numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge before my father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my father is who is in heaven. That Jesus links these two things together here, fear of people and the fear of God. One he says is inappropriate, one he says is appropriate. He says, do not fear them, do not fear people. Instead, fear him who can destroy both soul and body. Fear God. Again, like that's something that we tend to dwell on, that we, that we ought to be fearing God who could dis- can destroy us. 
And I wonder if one of the reasons why we don't consider the importance of fearing God or, or that the fear of God can be a good thing is because we, we would rather emphasize and dwell on the truths, the good things, these absolute truths that God is love. He is love. God welcomes us into his arms. He does, 100%. We think about his grace and his mercy and his kindness. We can't think about these things enough. And so... And so we might think that the fear of God is an intention or, or an opposition to the love of God. But in God, these things come together. The fear of God, who is perfect love, is the one who takes fear away. Uh, I was reading um, an article on Christianity Today, and they, and they quoted from a fellow called William Eisenhower, who put it really well. He, he wrote, Unfortunately, many of us presume that the world is the ultimate threat and that God's function is to offset it. This just totally resonates with me, eh? Freaky things going on, God, give me peace. Um, God's function is to offset the ultimate threat of the world. How different this is from the biblical position that God is far scarier than the world. When we assume that the world is the ultimate threat, we give it unwarranted power. For in truth, the world's threats are temporary. When we expect God to balance the stress of the world, we reduce him to the world's equal. As I walk with the Lord, I discover that God poses an ominous threat to my ego, but not to me. He rescues me from my delusions so he may reveal the truth that sets me free. He casts me down only to lift me up again. He sits in judgment of my sin, but forgives me nevertheless. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but love from the Lord is its completion. That's great. It's so good, isn't it? You have one without the other. It's not a good place to be. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but love from the Lord is its completion. Jesus is Jesus is fully man and fully God. So, and we read of like these instances in the New Testament and the Gospels where um, where His power is revealed, and the disciples, for lack of a better word, they just freak out. They see Him for who He is, and they freak out. One of these stories is uh, Mark. Actually, they're both coming from Mark. Uh, Mark chapter four, thirty-nine. On that day when evening had come, so now they're going to go out into a boat. On that day when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke, and he rebuked the wind, and he said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear, and they said to one, said to one another, Who then is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? And the second story is chapter, uh, a couple of chapters later. Chapter 6, verse 40, I'm reading from verse 49. Again, it's on the, on the sea. And, uh, and Jesus has uh, walked across the sea to the boat. And it says, But when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost, and they cried out, for they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke and said to them, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. 
And he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased, and they were utterly astounded. The first example was, was, a, was sort of a revelation of Jesus' power over nature. He can calm a storm with the word. God is powerful, more powerful than we can, can imagine. The second story is a revelation of how Jesus is unlike them. He's unlike them. He can walk on water. Put up your hands here if you can walk on water. Phew. He is not like us. So we relate to God. We relate to God in ways that we can understand as though he is like us. And this is not wrong. Like We've got to communicate with him somehow. But we've got to remember that God is so much more. He is not like us. His ways, his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. It's not the other way around. Um, yeah, we are made in God's image. But we always kind of like run the risk of making God in our own image. He's made in our own image. And um, C.S. Lewis, he, he really caught a glimpse of this. In, uh, and he wrote about it in the Narnia series in the, in the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And I hope that all of you have read it. <laughs> if you haven't, then please go home and read it, uh, Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, or watch the video. There's a scene early on when the children, um, the four children, are at the home of Mr. and Mrs. Beaver, actual animals, who are telling them about Aslan. Uh, and so if you haven't read the story, you need to know that Aslan in the story represents Jesus. And Lucy, she says, is, like they're telling them, telling them about Jesus, and Lucy goes, is, is he a man? Aslan, a man, said Mr. Beaver sternly. Certainly not. I tell you, he's the king of the wood, the son of the great emperor beyond the sea. Don't you know who is the king of the beasts? Aslan is a lion, the lion, the great lion. Ooh, said Susan. Sorry, I'm not putting on this very well. Oh, said Susan. Halt. I thought he was a man. He is, is he quite, is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. That you will, dearie, and make no mistake, said Mrs. Beaver. If there's anyone who can appear before Aslan without their knees knocking, they're either braver than most or else just silly. Then he isn't safe, said Lucy. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. (laughs) Don't you hear what Mrs. Beaver tells you? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. I'm longing to meet him, said Peter, even if I do feel frightened when it comes to the point. That's so good. Thanks, Clive. If the... (laughs) C.S. Lewis, if there's anyone, I love that line, if there's anyone who can appear before Aslan without their knees knocking, they're either braver than most or else just silly. Like think about that with Jesus. If, if we can appear before Jesus without our knees knocking. <laughs> and this idea that Aslan, he's, he's, he's good, but he's not safe. So good. In the Bible, when people encounter God, they're often overcome. You see, like story after story, people overcome. They want to run. They want to hide. Adam and Eve, we, I've been talking about this recently, they cover their face. To, you know, they hide behind trees to avoid him. Moses, he covers his face. The Israelites, they say to Moses, no, don't even let him speak to us. They avoid his presence. And, uh, and you read in Revelation, when, when uh, the book of Revelation, when John had his vision of God, he fell down. He said he fell down as though dead. Such was the power of that encounter. 
God is good, God is kind, God is loving, God is gracious, but he's so much more. He's not safe. He, he is the judge whose opinion should matter more to us than anyone else's. There's a, a story in Acts um, of a couple that learned this the hard way. Ananias and Sapphira, Acts chapter 5. I read from Acts chapter 5 before about the, the story of Peter's shadow falling on people and people being healed. Well, before that comes a story of Ananias and Sapphira. You know, we want the presence of God. We want the Spirit of God in our life. But this is the kind of story that we, when we think about it, we, it's uncomfortable for us, to say the least. Uh, Ananias and Sapphira, they were, they were a couple that uh, they sold some property. And then they, uh, like everybody else, it says that people are like selling what they had and they're bringing their possessions, they're bringing their money to the foot of the apostles who are then distributing it to those in needs. Like when, the, when God's spirit move, was moving, is moving, there's like generosity, generosity flows. The spirit of God was moving in power in their generation. There's signs and wonders. People's lives are changed. And people were sharing their belongings. And it says not one of them was in need. So Ananias and Sapphira, they sold some land. So maybe they had this, like, this, this generous prompting. But then it says they, they gave some of the money to the apostles. And it says that they cared more. They cared more what the apostles thought than what God thought. And rather than giving all of the money, they kept some for themselves. So they, they didn't need to, they could have just given they could have given some of it. That would have been fine. But the problem was that they, that they then lied to the apostles to give the impression that they were giving all their money. So it's all, about, uh, it's all about optics. It's all about the, the appearance of being generous, to look more generous than they are. And then Peter confronts Ananias and says, you have lied to God. And then Ananias drops dead. And then, uh, and then later Sapphira turns up and I'm just going to read it from, this is chapter 5, verse 8, Acts chapter 5, verse 8. And Peter says, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she says, yep, I saw we sold it for so much. But Peter said, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out. Immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. When the young men came in, they found her dead, and they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And great fear came upon the whole church and upon her all, all who heard those things. Because, yeah, that is freaky. <laughs> and it's a shocking story to us. Because I'm not going to unpack I'm not going to unpack it. I'm just going to leave it hanging. That's, but it isn't it. It's shocking. It's not a story that we want to think about. God's judgment of the deception it just sounds so harsh. All they did was lie, God. But God didn't see it that way. God's judgment of their deception. Like God doesn't sound like a safe God when you read these stories. And you read in that last verse, great fear came upon the whole church. The whole church then came under an appropriate fear of God. Philippians 2 in Philippians 2 verse 12, Paul says, We must work out our salvation in fear and trembling. Like with our knees knocking. Because this is serious business. We're not mucking around here. When we come to God, whether we come to God on our own or we come together uh, like this morning, um, do we come with the thought in mind that we are approaching God who is a consuming fire? 
Oh, we dare not treat God lightly. At the end of the day, Jesus is the judge. Thanks to Jesus that through him we can approach the throne of the King of Kings. He's good, but maybe he's not safe. Closing in on the end. So the question then is, well, how, how do you fear God? How do you, how do you begin to fear God? Or how, how do you learn to fear God? Like it's not yet, you know, it's not like you can go and stand on a bridge and be, be afraid of heights, like, um, or fear of jumping off. Like how do you become afraid of God appropriately? <laughs> All right, here's the steps. Step one. It's revelation. It's the revelation that God brings into our hearts. It's the revelation of God from God. So for revelation, we need to ask for it. We need to be open to it. We need to be, um, I think, like thinking and meditating, bring to mind who God is as much as we can. Revelation, so ask for it. Go, God, would you give me this revelation of who you are? Or whatever I can handle at the moment, God, because you know. I don't want to die. I was joking when I said these were the steps, but they're just things that are coming to mind. Revelation. I think also like going through the Bible, going through the Bible on your own and looking for stories of where people encounter God. And look at what happens. Almost like almost like go into the and go into those stories and, and imagine you're in those stories. Again, like in inviting the Holy Spirit with the Holy Spirit there, revealing things to you. How do people respond when they encounter God and his glory? When you pray or when you come to worship, when you, when you come to church and you worship with, with all of us here, have a think about who it is that you're approaching. Often, like when I when I'm um, praying on my own, I'll, I'll just begin like with um with with like almost reminding. I mean, it's prayerful reminding like, like of who who God is as He's revealed in the Bible. Lord, you're the you're the King of Kings. You you reign over all things. You're you reign in absolute power. You are more glorious than I can fathom. Um, begin there, right? Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Invite the Holy Spirit. Keep on inviting the Holy Spirit. Invite the Holy Spirit. Lord, Holy Spirit, would you reveal to our hearts who you are, God? Who you are, not who we imagine you to be. Not who we'd like you to be. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. And the last, one of the last things I was thinking about, I don't think this is a comprehensive list, but um, act before you feel. If you're waiting for, a, waiting for a feeling, you might end up waiting a long time. You need to sort of like act in, in faith with what you believe to be true. What does that look like? Well, um, I said before that the, the Israelites, they, they were afraid of God, but they didn't listen to what he said. So being obedient to what God says is, is fearing God. Uh, Honouring the scriptures, reading the word, that's fearing God. Ch- 
treating other people the way that Jesus said we should treat people is fearing God. Can be fearing God. Act before you feel. I'm just going to finish with um with a long longish scripture from Hebrews. Uh, Hebrews Hebrews twelve. It, I don't know, maybe just even as I as I read these words, like let them let them settle in your hearts. Even now, like you might go uh just set your attention on the Lord. You don't need to listen to my voice, just set your attention on him. Go, Lord, would you reveal yourself to me today? I'm I'm desperate for you. I want to know you, Lord. My 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 fears, they overwhelm me, but help me to fear you. Um Lord, we want to come into your presence. We want to encounter you. Lead us into that place. This is what the writer of Hebrews says. He says, For you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest and the sound of a trumpet and the voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further messages be spoken to them. For they could not endure the order that was given. If even a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to innumerable angels in festal gathering and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, how much less will we escape if we reject him who warns us from heaven? At that time, his, vo- his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken. That is, things that have been made in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and with awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Let's just wait on him, eh? Maybe, Joey, do you want to stand, stand with me? We'll invite, invite the Lord if, um, you know, if this is something that you want, uh, and I hope that it is, then invite the Holy Spirit to come in and reveal himself to you, and he will. Lord, Lord, well, we've treated you Lightly or inappropriately, would you forgive us? Where we've made, where we've, where we've, we've made light of you, where we've made light of worship, where we've mocked the things of God, would you forgive us? We repent, Lord. Lord, we want to draw close to you, Lord, and we don't want anything to come to get in the way of that, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. 
Lord, you say that, that the, fear of, the fear of God, the fear of you is the beginning of wisdom. Lord, would you reveal what that means in our hearts, Lord? Would you turn our hearts towards who you are? Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Lord, I just invite you to, to fall upon your children this morning, upon this whole congregation, upon the CV kids, upon the people that are, are at home, Lord, and upon us here. Lord, would, you, would your Spirit, would your Holy Spirit, fall upon us Lord where we've been uh, where we've almost like tried tried to park uh, aspects of your truth off because they're uncomfortable Uh, Lord would you reveal those truths to us God Lord we may may we be um, may you give us like the the boldness to even go towards those things or that you are the judge like this this instruction this command to fear you like this, oh, I even feel it now. Like there's parts of it which just sound that can't be true, but it is true. Lord, your word says it, Lord, and your word is the firm foundation. Father. Oh, my spirit, I feel that's this um, the sense of like peace, you know. And I think that there's something that God is um, depositing upon upon some of you this morning. Let's invite more of that. More of your peace, Lord. Would you settle, God, on people this morning? Thank you, Father. An appropriate fear of God uh, is the realization that the one who is close to us, closer than any other, is more powerful than any than anything that we're up against. The spirit that can move mountains. The Father that welcomes us into his embrace. The one... Jesus, who is, who is so frightening that demons are afraid of him. Thank you, Father. He is closer to us. He is, he is within us. Thank you, Jesus. Greater is he who is in me than he, who is, who, than he who is in the world. Greater than, greater than. You are the greater than God. You are the more than God. May we be a people that, that draw close to you even, even as we are afraid of you, appropriately afraid of you, Lord. May we draw close and hear your words to us, spoken to us. May we be carriers of your presence, 